Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, why DC is the place to invest. We've had a lot of talk about virtual reality and augmented reality, but you know, when it comes to our region, we have a very good specialization in sort of the bread and butter, the nuts and bones of building those systems. So you talk about cybersecurity, but there's also uh, a lot of play in that space for being that connective tissue. I think DC is in a way uh, that connective tissue for the country, it's the same way goes their venture system. For many businesses, their lifeblood is access to credit. And for most businesses, credit comes from the banking system. To join us now to discuss what's going on in a local business credit market is Andy Medici, money reporter at the Washington Business Journal. Andy, I understand from reading a recent column of yours that the banking sector here is not as healthy as we might want it to be. Well, it's one of those things where we're talking about quantity over quality, right? We've lost a lot of banks over the last 10 years. This is just one of those situations where if you're looking for choices, if you're looking for a number of banks to maybe shop around or to look for, you're not going to find that as you might have once done. So as you did your article and you determined that there are fewer banks, have you spoken with small business owners who have found it harder to get credit because there's less competition? Was there any indication of that? Well, this is something that we're going to see maybe in future years because we've seen a lot of consolidation just in the last two years. You know, for anyone who has been looking around the area, you might see all the Cardinal Bank signs going soon. They are merging with United. Bank of Georgetown disappeared, you know, the other year. And uh, Axis Bank, they're buying Middleburg. Middleburg's been around for 96 years, you know, and there was a lot of pressure on them to sell. So when they go, you're going to have to ask yourself, how many banks will there be around to serve small businesses? Because it's the small banks that serve small businesses. That's certainly so. Jamie, Jimmy Stewart and Wonderful Life, we're not going to see many of those folks these days. Exactly. And, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I have been covering, you know, Middleburg Bank for a long time. They were under tremendous pressure to sell. Their shareholders, you know, uh, a big one in particular used to work for Warren Buffett. He wanted to sell. He wanted to sell real bad. There's a lot of pressure for banks to sell, whether it's because regulations cost a lot of money. And, and it's also because as a shareholder, you want to make money. So Middleburg, you know, they had those pressures and they ended up uh, selling to Access Bank. Access Bank, of course, a really great bank run by a really great guy, Mike Clark. But once again, it just leaves people with limited options. You've been around the business community now for a number of years, covered from different perspectives. The banking industry isn't the only financial industry that's consolidated. We're seeing the venture capital industry here, for example. I mean, NEA is just getting bigger and bigger. Carlisle's bigger. Do you think that there's a similar consolidation going on in the venture industry right now? Well, if you look at it, you're definitely going to see two things. You see a lot of those big funds, as you said, getting bigger. You know, NEA, you're right. You know, there's some others, too. Uh, and then you're going to you see a lot of small funds. What you're not seeing is a lot of those middle funds, those ones in between where you can get out of that seed stage, get into that early and middle stage and really see some of that money. And, you know, if you're in a different industry, if you're in one of those consumer facing industries, you know, a lot of people, they end up shopping the West Coast to get that money. And, you know, that's a problem for people who want to grow the ecosystem here. So you're covering business here, but you spend a lot of time going around the country. Are people surprised to hear that there is somebody that's covering business and money in D.C. and is fully occupied? <laughs> I know, right? It's a tough industry now. and But, you know, people really need this information. They really want it. You know, if you go online a lot, you're not going to see a lot of those uh, details that really give you insight. And, you know, people want information that they can use, that they can take home, that they can act upon, that they can take to the bank, although there are fewer of those, as we just talked about. <laughs> right. So, you know, this is one of the situations where hopefully I provide people with a little bit of insight and they uh, are able to take that and do something useful with it. What's the most surprising thing that you had happen to you as you've been covering this region over the last year or so? What's the thing just knocked you out and you said, I cannot believe I just learned that? Well, uh, let me tell you about a story the other day that I wrote. 
I always read SEC filings, and uh, I highly encourage anyone to put some auto alerts for those, and you can see what's coming down. But I saw a filing by a local hedge fund manager, Russ Ramsey, and uh, his friend and venture capitalist, Don Davis. And uh, it turns out that they are buying an MMA fighting league, the World Series of Fighting. And uh, that was not something that I was predicting. And it shows you that in this world, in this uh, highly globalized world, uh, businessmen from D.C. could team up with uh, a venture capitalist from California and a corporate organizer from Nevada, and they can buy an MMA fighting league because they think it's a good deal. It's interesting. I don't think that people appreciate what a strong media capital this is. You look at, you just mentioned uh, that deal, you know, monumental sports, big deal. You know, Bob Morgan is doing his new Pivotal Plays thing, you know, Mike Avon with ICX Media. This is a media town. You know, people forget that. It is a media town. It's uh, one of the few media towns I, I feel truly left. But, you know, uh, you had an impressive list there. I like to throw in Vox, you know, oh, yeah. which has been widely considered to be a now. unicorn. Mm. Axios now, which, of course, is brought to you by the same people that brought to you Politico and probably the morning playbook that you all read. So this is, you know, Discovery Communications there in Silver Spring. There's a lot of people here. There's a lot of companies. And, of course, what happens when you have those bigger companies, they spin off those smaller ones. Mm -hmm. So what is the trend that you're looking for over the next year or two, it sounds like media is one. People talk about cybersecurity a lot. I know there's been a lot of funding. Where do you think the hot areas are for entrepreneurship in this region right now? Mm. Well, you know, we've had a lot of talk about uh, virtual reality and augmented reality. But, you know, when it comes to our region, we have a very good specialization in sort of the bread and butter, the nuts and bones of building those systems. So you talk about cybersecurity, but there's also uh, a lot of play in that space for being that connective tissue. You mentioned ICX Media, you know. They are a media company, but what they really are is they're connecting to different groups of people, you know, content creators with the people that really need that. So I think D.C. is, in a way, uh, that connective tissue for the country, the same way goes their venture system. So when people say that D.C. is a government town, do you buy that? I'd say that uh, D.C. is a government town the way San Francisco has hills. Sure, they're there, <laughs> and you have to drive around them. But that misses the point. There's a lot there. You know, there's a big chunk of the economy in this region that goes to the federal government, about 32% from the federal government. But you know what they say, that leaves 68% that's not. And that's really where a lot of the interesting stuff happens that people don't seem to think about too often. Do you see in a lot of the entrepreneurs successful here, though, uh, an ability to leverage proximity to the government, either getting federal R&D or just having the government as a customer as a way to grow their businesses? Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of companies that are able to sort of use that connection, to use that proximity to show that they can sort of bridge that gap. They can take private companies, they can help them navigate the federal system. You know, 1776 has done a lot of that work, and they have grown exponentially over the years. But you also have a lot of companies that, you know, just like uh, Tenable uh, and Rangula, who, you know, has been a voice for this most recently, you know, they have a huge cyber business, uh, but they also do business with the federal government. You can do both. And you can make impacts in both. So I think that's the, really the lesson to take away there. And what's the biggest impediment to this region being seen as as the entrepreneurial community that we believe it is? Well, that's interesting. You know, uh, I think there's been a lot of ink and a lot of tears uh, made over this subject. But, you know, I don't think D.C. will ever fully be able to shake that. You know, anyone who goes on national news is going to see a story at least once or twice a night about the White House or the Capitol. And it's going to show that picture. And that's what people think about D.C. But I think... What we want is to show for those people that want to look beneath the surface, that just want to peel back that first layer, that there's a thriving business community in D.C. and it's uh, 
an excellent way to be a part of that. Well, there you have it. And if people want to keep up on what you're up to, what's your Twitter handle or your blog? How do they find you? Oh, you can find me almost anywhere. Follow me on Twitter at WBJAndy, or you can go online to the Washington Business Journal at uh, www.bizjournals.com slash Washington. So if there's a man other than me who knows what's going on, it's Andy Mitchell of, of <laughs> Washington Business Journal. Thanks for joining us as always. Pat. It's always a pleasure. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington, your podcast to hear about the stories you may not be hearing and meet the people behind what makes this one of the most interesting business communities in the world. Share your story ideas and let us know what's working through Twitter at What's Working DC. And don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. I'm Jonathan Amberman. See you next time.